legally mandated nurse-to-patient ratios are one of the most controversial topics in healthcare today. In your new book, Safety in Numbers, our guest today, Suzanne Gordon, shows how hospital cost-cutting and layoffs in the 1990s created larger workloads and deteriorating conditions for both nurses and their patients, leading nursing organizations to embrace staffing-level regulation. Gordon is an award-winning journalist and author. She has written for the New York Times, Los Angeles Times, the Washington Post, the Atlantic Monthly, and the American Prospect. Suzanne Gordon, welcome to Weekly Signals. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. And you? I'm doing very well. It's a it's a sunny day here in California. Are you in um, Boston? I'm outside of Boston, and uh, it's a sunny day here, too. Oh, very good. Now, well, what do you do outside of Boston? I, I thought you were uh, at the University of Maryland uh, teaching no, there. I'm, I'm a journalist, and I teach. Um, I'm a visiting professor at the University of Maryland School uh-huh. of Nursing, although I'm not a nurse. Um, and I teach um, a variety of courses on communication, teamwork, and so uh-huh. forth. How did you get involved in writing about nursing? And, and uh, I had my first baby when I was 38 years old in a hospital outside of Boston, and I went to the hospital like most people, thinking that the doctor, was who was actually my friend, was going to be the key player in my care. And I discovered that the nurses were really much more important and, and ultimately key um, in ways that the doctor wasn't, and I began writing about nursing and have been writing about nursing ever since. Wow. Now, you talk about in your book that the hospitals in the U.S. report that they're short 120,000 nurses. Um, uh, yeah, the, the hospitals, um, that's kind of a moving target. Okay. Um, the the, the uh, vacancy rates range, depending on the year, from, you know, 118, 126,000. I actually think that those are underestimates because uh-huh. those vacancies are based on very high uh, patient loads, probably inappropriately high. So if we had appropriately high patient loads uh, or appropriately low patient loads, probably we'd need a, a lot more nurses than actually even uh, than, than we uh, lack now. Wow. Now, now, now did you uh, feel that you had adequate nursing at, when you were delivering? Oh, I did, but that was in 1984. Oh. And the last time I was in the hospital, which was in 2006, um, and I had a laparoscopic appendectomy, and it was very scary because um, I, I was one of seven or eight patients on this floor. Um, I mean, I my nurses had seven or eight patients, and I suffered two preventable complications and had a near, very serious near miss. Well, I had two near misses, actually. Um, So I really saw, ironically, you know, I didn't expect and didn't want to be a patient in a hospital uh, with the kind of staffing ratios because this was in a state, Vermont, that didn't have staffing ratios. Um, And it was quite scary. You know, it's very scary. I... uh, we watch shows like Grey's Anatomy and House, and, you know, we think that, oh, it's all right, we're going to be safe because we've they got all these doctors there. Well, the doctor is never there, hardly, and yeah. it's the nurses who are, you know, monitoring your blood pressure and uh, making sure that you you can pee and that you don't get a bladder injury and making sure you don't get a urinary tract infection and, you know, that you don't get a bowel obstruction. And if they're too busy... They can't do that, and they have to check up on the doctor and, you know, get the doctor to return their calls so that they can 
consult with the doctor over what's going on and you know uh, you just see this backup and and you're there and you are completely dependent on them for everything yeah. I mean obviously I wasn't dependent on them for me to, to breathe <laughs> yeah. and I could you know drink sips of water by myself but I was pretty much dependent on them for for everything and they were not available for them you know in for large in large moments because they were running around you know taking care of you know six or seven other patients and these patients are terribly sick today they're much they have much more intense nursing needs when when they're in the hospital today than they did when I was having my baby 23 years ago um we're speaking with Suzanne Gordon. The book is Safety in Numbers, Nurse-Patient Ratios, and the Future of Healthcare. Um, my experience with doctors in the hospitals, too, is that they, they might make one visit a day, if that, to a patient that might be in for five days or so. At least that's been my experience. And, and they'll, they'll show up for maybe a couple of minutes, charge an astonishing amount of money to do that, and it's kind of a star system with them. Uh, much much like it is on on television too they they're the center of attention just like you're saying whereas the nurses are doing all the work is is who's to blame for that why why do we put so much into the doctor's work well i mean doctors do important things and they should get paid for the years they put in i think they're overpaid and we need actually to have more doctors who are paid a bit less, you know, and we also need to pay nurses more and have more nurses. We particularly need more primary care doctors, and we need to pay them more, and the orthopedic surgeons should, you know, maybe get a little less. But I think the issue is that in, you know, there, there's what a doctor does is very different from what a nurse does, and the doctor, you know, makes a diagnosis and determines what it is you have and what the treatment plan is, but the doctor doesn't execute it, and the doctor doesn't monitor it. I mean, surgery is a perfect example. You know, you go into the operating room, and the surgeon... Uh, everything is set up for the surgeon. It's been set up by nurses. You know, the the the, the nurse checks everything before uh, you go into the operating room and after you leave the operating room. And the doctor's skill is put into play in the operating room. You, you're taken care of by a perianesthesia, you know, by a post-anesthesia recovery room nurse, and, and that 30 minutes after you've left the OR is absolutely critical. You know, are you breathing? Um, are you going to come out of the anesthesia? Um, is your heart going to stop? Um, you know, are you in pain, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody ever remembers those nurses. You know, they're the completely invisible nurses. And, and that's pretty much one-to-one nursing, and then you go on to a surgical floor, and the doctor, as you said, comes by, you know, once a day, if you're lucky, it's not while you're asleep. Uh, and the nurse is there, you know, making sure that you don't have a wound infection after surgery, that you have the proper dressing because actually, you know, they don't just slap any old gauze thing on you. There's all these complicated different choices of dressing. How is your, how is your going to wound be cleaned? You know, there's all different ways to clean it. Um, you know, are you going to develop a, a, an internal bleed that only the nurse can, can pick up because she's the one monitoring your blood pressure? You know, fluid in, fluid out. Are you dehydrated? Are you malnourished? Or, you know, are you going to get a blood clot? Are you moving? You know, uh, can, you, can you pee on your own? Do you need a catheter? Is the catheter in correctly? I mean, one could go on and on. <laughs> wow. 
And, and, you know, medications, are you the right patient? Is this the right drug? I mean, nurses are the, you know, doctors order the medications, pharmacists dispense the medication, but it's the nurse who gives it. And she doesn't just, you know, do anything the doctor says. She's to check because what if the doctor made a mistake or what if, you know, he forgot that you're allergic to that or that you have this condition and that drug exacerbates it and so forth. So, you know, nurses are you know, doing hundreds of things all the time. And if there are too few of them and too many patients assigned to each one of them, guess what? You know, somebody's going to miss something and somebody's are missing something, which is why what happened in California happened, why we have California as the first state to mandate limits on the nurse workload and why 13 other states, including my own, are trying to, uh, get staffing ratios in their states. And, and you know, I mean, if, Ameri- if an American wants to be safe, it's not good enough to have it in one state or even 14 states because people don't just stay in their own little state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, but, how, did, uh, how did California make nurses uh, their ally? What, what happened in that cap- campaign that turned it around, do you think? Well, the California Nurses Association, which is the union in California for nurses, has had been fighting this since the mid-1990s when hospitals started cutting nursing positions and, and overloading the nurses who remained with too many patients. And um, a lot of nurses left the profession or were laid off and had to leave or left the hospital, and, and the Nurses Association um, fought uh, to have a regulation of the nursing workload because they had nurses had asked their managers to please give them safer assignments and the managers refused. And so finally the only solution after having exhausted every other channel was government regulation of the nursing workload. And they, the hospital industry opposed it. Uh, this bill, um, the Republican governor of California in 1998, Pete Wilson, vetoed the bill when it was passed. It was very much supported by legislators and the public. And then finally, when they elected a Democratic governor in 1999, Gray Davis, um, the bill was once again passed and it was signed. And then it took three years for uh, the, the Department of Health Services to decide on the ratios, which in 2008 went into their final phase of effect, and it's one to five on medical surgical floors, which are the largest, um, you know, and they have, that's the most floors in a hospital, and there's um, one to three on step-down unit, which is one step below the intensive care unit, one to four on specialty units, and many other ratios for other units. Now, you, you in your conversation earlier, um, you were talking about Vermont, where you had the operation. Right. What what's the what's the ratio? I know it probably varies widely from state to state. Who are the better states as far as nursing ratios? You, you, you can't say that. There's no such thing as a better state because there's no, with the exception of California, it's you have no idea. Like in Massachusetts, there are some hospitals in Boston which voluntarily have better ratios, and there are terrible hospitals so, in so the there's, state. So, and so you have no idea, and when you go to a hospital, you have no idea what the ratio is that particular night. I mean, they can, the, the hospital administration, there's no, you know, I mean, they could have one to five 
in a, on a surgical unit, for example, or one to four, but they could also have one to twelve. And 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 there's no, um, you know, I, I mean, I think there is a pretty much of an agreement among working nurses um, that a one to four or one to three ratio, given how sick patients are today on medical surgical, one to four is probably, you know, optimal if the patients aren't horribly, horribly sick. Um, but very few hospitals in America have that ratio unless uh, a union has negotiated that ratio in a contract or unless it's in California. Okay, so across the country there are no such regulatory no. No, uh, and so systems. My, in my case, I went leaf peeping. We do that in the east in the, in the autumn to Vermont, and I got appendicitis. And I couldn't, you know, if I'd known I had appendicitis, I would have stayed home. Um, but I happened to end up, you know, with an emergency surgery in the middle of nowhere, as it were. Mm-hmm. And I was dependent on, I, you know, thought, well, you know, I was in pain, I was sick. The first thing they did when I got into the emergency room was pump me full of, um, you know, narcotics. So I was also out of it. And I couldn't, you know, start questioning people, like, what's your staffing ratio, you know? <laughs> now, now, um, now, are hospitals uh, <laughs> obligated in any way to provide you with no, no, information? You no. don't, you, so you don't have any, no one has any idea going in to a hospital what the staffing well, ratio is? Well, there's some, volun- you know, some states have voluntary posting of ratios, but they don't tell patients what's a good ratio and what's a bad ratio. Mm-hmm. So, no, you know, most people don't know what, I mean, you know, you say to most people, oh, well, it's what, and the nurse has 10 patients, and they go, oh, well, you know, I'm sure they can handle it. Right. Now, you, you just identified something that I, I think it's important to highlight here, which is that patients, generally speaking, who are going into hospitals for any kind of a, a stay in the last 20 years or so are, are technically sicker than they've been in the yes. past. So that the so that the need for this attention that you're describing in terms of nurse ratios is even more acute than it's yeah, been in the past. Absolutely, there's there's it's a kind of a technical concept, but it's worth um, understanding. There's sickness, and then there's what's called patient acuity. So you can be you know really really sick with I mean cancer or diabetes or whatever, but when you go into a hospital, there are phases when you will be more acute and you will have more acute nursing needs. And so it's described in the lingo as patient acuity is higher. So, okay, when I got out of surgery after my operation, my acuity was higher, right, than three days later when I was three days post-op. And so years ago, patients would stay in the hospital. They'd come into the hospital the day before surgery for tests or observation or whatever. We used to admit people to hospitals to observe them. We don't do that anymore. They would stay after surgery 10 days, a week, two weeks, depending on what was wrong with them. So by the 10th day or the 14th day or even the 7th day, their needs for nursing monitoring would be much less acute, much lower than when they got right out of the, the, the operating room. You, you recall I said, you know, there's a PACU nurse. She's on your case 
standing over you, monitoring everything for a half an hour, an hour, one to one or one to two, because you are your need, your nursing needs are that acute. When you get out of the PACU, it lessens, and then you're on a regular floor if you're not in an intensive care unit. And if you're in an intensive care unit, you're in an intensive care unit not because you need an intensive care doctor, but because you need intensive care nursing, which is usually one to one or one to two nursing. So that nurse is there all the time because you are so sick and your needs are so acute that you have to be monitored every physiological system in your body literally second by second. Now, is it safe to say that we've been on a collision course uh, in terms of health care and our, our ability to provide quality health care since the managed health care system became the predominant mode of delivering health care to Americans? Well, I think we've been on a collision course for decades because of our reliance on the market and our failure to have a tax-supported national health care system, and we've already collided. <laughs> mm. I mean, we are... We are a country that's already crashed, and we are, you know, it's, it's, the collision has happened. And one facet of that collision is the nursing crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a primary care crisis. We don't have enough primary care doctors. Um, you know, we have an insurance crisis. I mean, pretty much everywhere you look in medicine, there is, a, there is you know, the aftermath of the crash. And, and the fact that, we don't have enough nurses um, is, is a symptomatic of the fact that, you know, we are not providing the working conditions in which will give people an incentive to stay in nursing at the hospital bedside over a long period of time. And, you know, obviously hospital nursing work is quite difficult and arduous under the best of circumstances. It's shift work. I mean, we've got to figure that one out. There's a whole lot of problems, but the fundamental problem without, and if we don't resolve this problem, we can't resolve any of the other, is nurses just have too many too sick patients. And they're burning out. They can't do, they can't talk to people. They can't educate them. They can't tell them. They don't have time when they leave the hospital, the patient leaves the hospital for the nurse to tell you how to take your 10 or 15 meds that you're leaving with. You know, the people, and, and what's happened in California is that there has begun to be a reversal of that. Mm -hmm. And and one new study just came out saying that nurse burnout, nurse retention and recruitment, nurse turnover, nurse burnout is reduced, nurse retention and recruitment enhanced, and nurse satisfaction improved, and nurse turnover reduced because of the ratios. And when you reduce nurse turnover, there's a direct link between nurse turnover and quality of care. Well, we're, we're, and I, I know that we're experiencing a nationwide, and I'm not sure if it's worldwide, but a nationwide shortage of nurses be, for the for the reasons that you just uh, described. Um, are we are we is this the model? Are other states interested in in taking this uh, up? Uh, in what the California model has provided? Right. There's a California Australia model that's that's what we talk about in our book, Safety in Numbers, and. And um, in Victoria and Australia, they also have um, mandated staffing ratios. Um, it's one to four um, on medical surgical floors, not one to five, so it's a richer ratio. And they've brought 7,000 inactive nurses who had left during the cost-cutting years of the 90s. They've brought them back into the workforce. There's no vacancies in, um, in major 
uh, and, and smaller hospitals. There are some vacancies in remote hospitals. And nurses from other parts of um, Australia and that don't have ratios, a number of states have, 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 mo- have ad- adopted that model, but those states that haven't, people are coming into Victoria. And the same thing is true in California. People are coming into California because w- if you have the choice, wouldn't you rather take care of five patients than ten? We're speaking with Suzanne Gordon. The book is Safety in Numbers. And uh, how is it that... Uh... Well, I, I want to find out, because I mean, we're, we're, we're in a, in a year when health care is a, a big issue with our candidates for president right. and all across the country. I think we, we've reached a critical mass, a threshold here, where the American public is simply not going to stand uh, uh, for businesses, uh, business as usual here. Uh, do you see uh, this as an opportunity, as a breakthrough year in terms of uh, our healthcare system in general and in this nursing crisis in particular? Yes, that's really an important question. I think that people have no, you know, I'm, I, um, I think that people have to understand that none of the candidates are addressing some of the fundamental issues. The issue of insuring the 47 million uninsured is critical. Yeah. But what are we giving them access to? If we don't solve the nursing shortage and we add 47 million people into the mix, who's going to take care of them? Right. If we don't solve the primary care doctor shortage and we add 47 million people into the mix, who's going to take care of them? I mean, Massachusetts has enacted a form of health insurance that Obama and Clinton support, and we don't have enough primary care doctors, and you have to have a primary care doctor to access the system, and you call a primary care doctor in, um, you know, May of 2008, and they tell you you can get an appointment in, you know, February of 2009, Um, so, or excuse me, in October of 2009, and also many doctors won't, won't accept insurance. Uh, hospitals are no longer accepting insurance, even if you have it, because they don't want to hassle with insurance companies to get paid. If these questions aren't addressed, uh, we're going to have even more of a problem on our hands, and I don't see anybody understanding the healthcare crisis in as broad a way as they need to understand it. Well, I hope that uh, that the public will force these candidates. Uh, into some uh, to providing some answers and and acting on on those those um, those issues, we're going to have to wrap this up. Suzanne uh, Gordon, um, I want to thank you so much for being here on Weekly Signals. The book is Safety in Numbers: Nurse to Patient Ratios and the Future of Healthcare. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me.